a dog, you, you have to show the empathy to the patients. And if you go look at today's clinics, most of the doctor time is spent in front of the computer screen you know, rather than like with the patient. I'm talking about a traditional clinic right now. Uh, and so that has to change. Welcome to the Conversations on Applied AI podcast where Justin Grammons and the team at Emerging Technologies North talk with experts in the fields of artificial intelligence and deep learning. In each episode, we cut through the hype and dive into how these technologies are being applied to real-world problems today. We hope that you find this episode educational and applicable to your industry and connect with us to learn more about our organization at AppliedAI.mn. Enjoy! Welcome everyone to the Conversations on Applied AI podcast. This week, we're lucky enough to have Sentil Kumaran join us, the CIO CTO of Virtuel. Virtuel is an online medical clinic that provides 24-7 access, friendly certified nurse practitioners for common conditions. As you might suspect, they've been using AI and machine learning in a number of ways across their business. And we're thrilled to have him here today to talk not only about the applications of AI, but learn more about his career and current trends in the industry. So welcome, Sentil. Thank you, Justin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's awesome. So just as a sort of brief introduction, I guess, maybe you want to tell us a little bit about maybe your background, you know, you have any hobbies or sort of things on a personal side that you enjoy doing? For sure. So where do I start? <laughs> I'll start all the way from the beginning. My dad wanted me to become a, a doc because I was the studious one in my family. But then on the first time when I saw blood, I fainted. So there and all his hopes. So then I chose engineering. I grew up in South India, place south of Coimbatore called New Road. Pretty small town. Went to engineering over there. I did electronics and communication. And then immediately afterwards, I did master's in engineering and applied electronics. And believe it or not, I did uh, microprocessor-based programming when I started my career. And then small talk and uh, C++. Then I landed a job at uh, Infosys. Back then, it was a pretty small firm, so I was like employee number 600 or something like that. Nice. And I started in Bangalore, uh, and they were just moving to their new office. And from Infosys, uh, I got exposed to Java, and that's why I landed an opportunity at IBM Consulting. Took a flight all the way from Bangalore, landed in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, out of all places. IBM put me out there in a project at a publishing company. I had some system software experience plus Java. So that's how I started my career. Then I came here into Twin Cities 20 years ago. And I've consulted in a lot of companies around here in Twin Cities, right? From Deluxe Checks to Carlson, Bangla Travel to Retech to United Health Group, different divisions of United Health Group. And then for the last 10 plus years, I'm at uh, Virtual. Cool. Cool. Very good. When, in your consulting days, I'm just kind of curious, was a lot of it in Java? Did, did, did you find that to be sort of the language of choice? Yep. 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 Uh, so it was mostly Java. Then I moved on to a lot of front-end uh, tech. So mostly team leading, building a team. I, I, I had like a lot of hands on different websites around different Twin Cities companies. Cool. Yeah, I've I've told people, I mean, I think the smartest thing I did was learn Java uh, in the sort of mid to late 90s when it first came out. It's just a great sort of, well, a language to learn since it's all, you know, object oriented, but it just, it spans so many different industries. So it's it's really helped me out in my career. So you probably saw the same. For sure. 
So now the new hot term is AI, <laughs> right? Yes. And yes. so everyone wants yes. to learn AI, maybe just like they, everyone wanted to learn Java back in the early days. Uh, everyone's focused on this sort of AI thing. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm curious maybe, like, how do you define AI for people that are outside of the field, right? Do you have sort of a layman's terminology on sort of what it is? How, how would you, you know, if you have an elevator pitch? This is so I, before we discuss AI. So if you really look at it, mid nineties to late nineties uh, is when the web came in. So a lot of the top five person companies, even Amazon at the time, they all had some kind of a presence. And then everybody else woke up in year 2000 that, oh, we all need a dot-com. And then actually dot-com bust happened, obviously. But uh, the next 10 years was web. Late 2007, eight timeframe, mobile started picking up. Top, top five percent of companies paid attention to that. Then the rest of us, after 2020, woke up and said like, oh, it is mobile first. Mm. So same thing happened in 2016, 17, AI, and then Google's and Amazon's and Netflix and Facebook, they all ventured in and they are making a huge dough right now. And then rest of us are waking up in year 2020. So every 10 years, this is my story. Every 10 years, there is some new tech, isn't it? Web was 2000 to 2010. Everybody now has a website, isn't it? Then it was all mobile first. Now it's going to be AI first. Okay. You don't have to be a technology company. You have to have some kind of a value add for your customers, enhance your customer engagement. And AI is the play. So it's it's a new revenue generation tool. It's definitely a cost reduction, operational efficiency tech tool. So you have to get your feet dirty, hands dirty, and get on it. I know a lot of people talk about, oh, it's, uh, it's machines, it, it, it learns, it, it's going to replace every one of us, it learns, adapts, and what's going to happen. I think Hollywood has some role to play on that, I guess. Uh, but uh, if you really look at it, AI to me is the next tech that everybody has to get their uh, hands dirty. I mean, it's the next 10 years is, is, is where your dough is going to be made, is what I believe. Do you view that as coming out of just, you know, there have been people that have been doing um, data analytics, you know, there's been dashboards and reporting, there's been all this sort of stuff that's been happening for quite some time. But, you know, do, do you think this sort of came out of that, this AIX sort of came out of that field, or is it a fresh new approach? Uh, actually, actually it, 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 no, with the predictive uh, algorithms, there's, there are so many. Mm -hmm. And then the, the cloud infrastructure, made us to achieve all of our data dreams. Before the data was all in different silos, it took quite a bit of time to like get everything in one place. Now we have some kind of a cloud environment where you can make it the data liberation and then you can do a lot more analysis and uh, predictions and prescriptions with it. So mm -hmm. that's, that's why it has become a lot easier today compared to like 10, 15 years ago. That's, that's what I believe, isn't it? Like, Previously, the, the hardware was a huge challenge. Right. And not, now it, that has been liberated. Uh, so anybody can do anything. Yep. So look at the Kaggle competitions. See the folks who are making difference right now all around the world. And so that kind of liberation is definitely helping the community. Totally, totally. Yeah, it feels like there's sort of a, I guess another word is commoditization. Things become commoditized. So yes. like you say, websites, everyone has a website because you can literally start up a website for next to nothing. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. Mobile's becoming more and more commoditized. Everyone has an app now these days. Correct, you know? correct, correct. And, uh, and now anyone can spin up a cloud instance and do whatever they need pretty quickly. It's a commodity. I still remember 
mid nineties, it was like $40 to do some kind of transactions. So now with tech, it's, it's been liberated, isn't it? Everybody can like pick up their phone and like just do all these financial transactions in no seconds without any fee. And that's what the software and hardware has got us here. So how, how are you guys then using this new tech at Virtual? If you could speak a little bit about that, you know, or even in the healthcare industry in general, sort of what are, what are you seeing? Yeah, in general, what I see is that if we, we have to get to some kind of personalized healthcare, so definitely the cost is increasing. So the idea behind Virtual is giving a better consumer experience. Um, and also better health outcome for the patients with some kind of an improved care provider experience. If you go look at some of the leading hospitals right now, their providers, I mean, when I say providers, it's the physicians and nurse practitioners, clinicians and the physician assistants and nurses who work in the system. So all these care provider experience uh, are, are not all that great in a lot of the leading hospitals. So at Virtual, we want to turn not only for a better consumer experience, but also better health outcome and also a good care provider experience and all of this at a lower cost of care because what i believe uh, is when, when we look at it 40 years ago i think our health care was five percent or four percent of our gdp and right now it's closer to 20 percent of our gdp wow. and or 19 and, and and then if you look at a lot of other numbers we are not the number one healthcare system in the world. Some rate us as number 18, so some rate us as number 20. We are like five to eight times expensive than the next best person. So oh. this is like your number 20 uh, in the NFL draft and uh, <laughs> being purchased 20 times more or 10 times more uh, than the next best person. So that, that's how our healthcare system is right now. So I'm not going to comment more on sure. that. But, but the idea behind virtual is to definitely increase a better health outcome provide free follow-up care and also lower cost of care. Uh, so ours is at the $49 flat fee across different treatment uh, plans. And it's uh, one time you pay and, until you get better. Uh, so that, that's a different kind of a model, which started 10 years ago, and we have a lot of traction. That's great. Uh, very, very cool. Um, I know you spoke at our Applied AI meetup. Uh, last month here, and you talked about a number of different, I guess, applications, right? There's a number of different people that are trying to use this new technology to, like you say, provide better care, you know, um, uh, increase patient outcome with maybe better doctor visits, you know, uh, and, you know, other things like that. Maybe you could touch on a couple of those, I guess, that are sort of top of mind. And we don't need the name of the company, but I, I don't know if you have any that you sort of like go to that are like, hey, there's a here's a great way that a company is using AI to sort of improve because like you said we're not doing very good in the united states i guess right there's a lot of room for improvement so what are some areas specifically that maybe you're, you've seen on that? the healthcare uh yeah. or care delivery uh, justin so th there are uh, quite a bit like uh, babylon health is uh, one I, I know a lot of the telehealth companies that are working right now they're all doing video visits but that's only uh, solving a part of the problem so what we need to do is we need to get some all data digitized and then uh, analyze the data uh, and create like patients like me and figure out a personalized treatment plan for me. So, so that's where the future is. And then the internet of uh, things is also picking up the healthcare things with a lot of new uh, devices popping up. So there are quite a few companies uh, who are trying to integrate uh, like the home healthcare 
plus AI. So, so that's where the future is. So what I believe is, so there will be some device that you can attach it to your iPhone or your Android phone, and that can take like your all the way from blood pressure to even scans. And then it can go against all the radiologists' knowledge, and then it can figure out what kind of problem you have. So there are quite a few companies out there. So the one thing that uh, is already happening is FDA is approving a lot of these autonomous AI solutions. So there is one company right out of Iowa City called IDXDR. Um, so that, that, that company actually is, is not based out of the Bay Area. It's just based out here in the Midwest. And uh, they are creating some good uh, vibes. So the one product that is already out there is they're doing diabetic retinopathy treatment. They basically, when a patient walks in, so they, the eye retina gets scanned uh, through a little uh, machine, and then uh, and a registered nurse can operate this machine, so you don't need to go to an ophthalmologist. And then the machine does this radiology-based algorithm, which goes and compares against all of these million images, and then comes up with what kind of problem you have, and do you have diabetic retinopathy or not, and what's your treatment plan, and what path you need to take. And all of that happens in like less than two minutes. So that just amazes me because right now, if you have to do this in a traditional setting, it probably takes a month or two to navigate all the healthcare system to get this. And they do it at a much, much cheaper cost, like 300 bucks or 400 bucks. Wow. And it's already in place. So FDA has approved this a year ago. Google's company, Verily, I mean, Alphabet's company, Verily, is also in the same space. So they're doing multiple things along the same lines. But what interests me on IDXDR is they have like 10 different patents that are coming up in the pipeline. Through retina scan, they can do liver disease detection and kidney disease detections. And so they can come up with treatment plans on the fly. And the cost of care is going to lower significantly. And also it is going to be a better health outcome. And what they're predicting is in the next five to 10 years, you don't even have to walk out to a specialty place to do this kind of retina scan. So you would take this little thing, attach it to your uh, phone, and then you can get your retina scanned. And then it's going to come back and tell you, yep, I got your scan. Uh, it looks like you haven't done this and this and this. So that's why your liver is getting fatty. So you better start the workout. So it's, it's going to come back and help us out uh, to, to keep us on track. Absolutely. So that's, that's what the AI systems are doing. And IDXDR kind of companies are already proving it. So they, they have an FDA approval. They're already operating in three states. And there are many more companies like this in the space. Well, yeah, that's, that is fascinating. I mean, it's that I, I was actually even wondering as you were talking, if there's a way, even with image recognition, you could sense maybe not down to the precision that they're talking about, but just, Hey, what if I just pointed uh, this system at all my Google Photos, for example, you know, could it start doing image recognition on people's faces to basically realize that they are coming yeah. to the application? Yep, the, the stress level. Yes, yes, Justin. The, 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 there is a new area called artificial emotional intelligence. Okay. So there are a couple of uh, companies. Actually, there is a company called Beyond Verbal that uh, Mayo Clinic is partnering with out, out here in Rochester. And there is another company, Effectiva. So Effectiva is an MIT spinoff out of Boston. So they both work on the artificial emotional intelligence and they look at your face and based on the last five days of how your face has changed and how your eyes are opening. And in fact, Effectiva has a very cool presentation. So 
they ask you to read a paragraph on different times. Um, uh, and then based on your tonal quality and how you read and 100 different things, I'm sure it's all 100 different features for them, for their model. Uh, and comes back and says like, okay, this is your, they, they can do like quite a few heart disease predictions with how you're reading this a paragraph of info. So it's already there. Neat, neat. It's, it's not rocket science anymore. So <laughs> uh, this is this area is called the artificial uh, emotional, and that's picking up quite a bit, and that's going to change healthcare. And what I believe is like we we have these tech which will help our dogs uh, to do their jobs a lot better. As a dog, you you have to show the empathy to the patients. Then if you go look at today's clinics, most of the doctor time is spent in front of the computer screen isn't it rather than like with the patient yeah i'm talking about a traditional clinic right now uh, and so that has to change so with virtual for instance when we created the ehr emr um, so we wanted to make all these documentation uh, whatever the consumer sees and so, so that's what the key differentiator is so how um, tech like ai can help in predicting uh, the treatment plan and also um, asking the right kind of questions to consumers and funneling all of this right kind of data to the providers. So it makes their job a lot easier. So if you go read the reviews at Virtual, for instance, we have like 60,000 plus reviews published. A lot of the consumers talk about the empathy and the direct connection, even though it's all virtually delivered. Right, right. It should be the other way. And if you go to a physical clinic, you should have a lot more better connection. But it's like people get uh, so associated with a lot of the Amazon's products, isn't it? <laughs> and then it gets shipped to your home. So it's the same way. So Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of these things where it's like, how can we use computers to do the best thing that they're at? And then how can we use humans to do the best thing that they're at, right? Yeah. That, that is what hopefully AI will achieve. And especially in healthcare, it's definitely. So I kind of think it's a marriage that happens uh, in the near future because it has to bring the cost of care down uh, and hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you said, you know, United States is at 20th uh, in this list of all these various countries. There's obviously access to a lot of these new cool apps that people are going to be having, you, you know, virtual is one platform. There's just all these other sort of things that are floating around. Do you, do you see us making a dent, I guess, over the next three to five years to, to improve? Does it look optimistic? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you go look at the FDA approval list on all these Internet of uh, Healthcare things, plus what is going to come, the, the whole lab could come to your home in the future. There is a company which is waiting right now, and you, you, you pee on the stick, mm -hmm. and you, you send this picture back to the uh, nurse practitioners for analysis, and then they come back with different kind of diagnosis for your kidney disease. And, and obviously, all of these comes with different safety protocols in place. So the moment it sees something on, it obviously directs you to the right place. So even in virtual, we don't treat every patient who walks into virtual by consent. Yeah. Um, we, we obviously have a lot of safety nets around there. And when you answer these questions in this way and say, oh, no, you, you have to go to a clinic immediately, or you have to go to an urgent care, or you have to go to the hospital immediately. So we redirect and sometimes our providers do that too like when it gets all of this information gets funneled to them and they they do the correct care yeah i'm kind of curious i guess you know kind of for people that are on the outside of 
healthcare and all this new smart technology. I mean, what's what's sort of the day in the life of somebody who's the CIO CTO of, of a of a healthcare startup like this? And I don't know if you guys still call yourself a startup. Yeah, yeah, we we still call us ourselves. It's a ten year old company. It's part of Health Partners, uh, which is a huge one out here in Twin Cities. Yes, virtual. Uh, even though it's ten plus years, it's a small uh, company. So we are more like the health labs division. Uh, I would say not a uh, health labs, uh, mm-hmm. health technical labs. So we are more an innovation division of health partners. Yeah, day in my life, uh, uh, we have multiple releases going on at the same time. Justin. So we run in a private cloud. Okay. Virtual.com is only a one small piece of what we do. The actual EHR, EMR, we do work with 20 different insurance companies. So the revenue cycle in healthcare, uh, I can talk about it for like two days nonstop on <laughs> cycle and how how we need to do uh, definite improvements on how we work with insurance because all, almost all of these technology that they use in play is 40 or 30 plus years old. Really? So, um, yeah. And, and in, in the current EHR EMR that a lot of hospitals use, it uses a software that was written 20 years ago. Okay. So it had few updates in the last few years. So that's where this uh, problem is. And it's a virtual uses its own custom developed uh, EHR EMR and that gets an update every couple of weeks. Sure. It's it's a lot of feature engineering, working with the product owners, and, and we are a HIPAA compliant, high tech compliant, and uh, PCI DSS. So so that takes up some of my time. Uh, sometimes doing a Scrum master role, future proofing. The the other big thing that uh, takes up my time is now systems engineering teamwork and cloud infrastructure, and I do a lot of one-on-ones with my team members. We usually, when we are in the office during summertime, we take a little 30-minute walk um, around our neighborhood in St. Paul. Uh, Right now, we are doing virtual walks or sometimes uh, whatever works for everybody. So the one-on-one, I really value. Some folks want to grow their career in this direction. Some want to grow in this, and they want to be part of that team. So a couple of data science engineers in virtual, so they started their careers as software engineers. And then they took uh, different courses in the last three, four years, and they became, they came into the data science uh, world. Our production data analyst, she started her career as a business analyst. So now she's, she knows more about our data than even some of our data engineers, actually. Uh, um, so she's been in the company for seven, eight years. So, so, so that's, that's where my, most of my t- time goes. Obviously, our goal at uh, Virtual is to minimize meetings. I actually start my conversation and how many emails did you send in the last two weeks, for instance. So we want to minimize the number of emails that floats around. So we, we use chat room, but a lot of meaningful discussions and Vicky and Jira. I hardly spend my time, maybe 10, 15 minutes max on email. And my goal at mm-hmm. before retirement is to spend zero time on email. email. Yeah, just it's just too much of a distraction. You get stuck in a loop feels like one comes in yeah you got to deal with it next one comes in you got to yeah, deal with yeah. it so that's and then the, some of it i don't even reply so then it gets into <laughs> garbage bin so if people really need info they'll ping me in the different chat room for sure for sure well yeah you kind of touched a little bit on it as you were as you were speaking i was sort of thinking about how people get into this field right it, it sounds like you have a lot of uh people that uh they came to it through software i guess in some ways or they came to it through a uh, data science practice yes yes two two different in afford but uh, some like my current product uh, owner on the ai team actually she was a rules engineer so she worked on rules rule engine 
a lot of explainabilities there, uh, structural uh, interviewing. Uh, and so that's, that's what we started using um, 10, 11 years ago at Twitter. Um, and we do have a lot of play over there. So uh, she started her career as a rules content engineer. Yeah. Now she is doing the product owner role. So as, as long as you know what uh, data you're working with, you can get into data science field for sure. What people are missing is they, they will have to go take something in a Coursera or edx.org or datacamp.org. There are like five or 15 different places where you can go learn. So these are good university programs. So you would recommend say if somebody were to get into this, they definitely want to take a course, get, get a certification or something in some way. Yes, yes. There are like so many good courses out there uh, in Coursera. EDX.org, DataCamp, those are the three that comes to my mind. So they, they, they all have good programs. It's a three-month program to begin with, six months, two years. Mm -hmm. um, so you can strengthen, go to Kaggle competitions. There are a lot of open source. What what have you done in PyTorch? Are you working on Scratch? Yeah, these are, these are all questions that you guys ask during your interview process, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> things that you look for, yeah, yeah. for candidates. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, for sure. So we've, we've touched a little bit on sort of like the future, you know, great. I'd be able to pull up my phone and take a, take a picture maybe of my face or like you said, retina scans and stuff like that. Yeah. As of now, you can like a lot of skin conditions, people take pictures and send it to our nurse practitioners. And there is a company that we work with. They have different kinds of pictures for different skin conditions. And the moment you upload this data, it comes back and tells you like a 90% confidence level that this person has this specific condition. So there is already proven algorithms to do these kind of uh, predictions hmm. on skin conditions. But what the future holds as Justin is taking a retina scan or people are saying you can take the whole, uh, the otoscope that we use right now is like 30 years old. So then whatever we use at our clinics. So now you have a much, much better resolution camera at your fingertip and you have to attach a certain thing to your uh, camera to your cell phone and then you can take a much better uh, ear canal picture in the future and what do you do with it unfortunately we we, we are clueless on that isn't it uh, so the, the virtual kind of platforms will connect you to the right kind of nurse practitioner or physician uh, to get you to the right kind of uh, treatment that's that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just making the diagnosis, but then also connecting you to the right, to the right place as as a as a treatment plan. Yeah, yeah. You 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 want your own personalized uh, care. These yeah. algorithms and stuff like that, they they still seem very specialized. Yeah. Right. Yes. You don't you don't feel like there's basically general AI going on out there yet. Do you think we'll ever get there? Or a lot of the AI systems right now are uh, are very narrow. Uh, and that is where a lot of the FDA approvals are also going into that kind of narrow intelligence. Uh, but I am hoping in the next few years, have you, have you seen the Google I.O. whenever they do the demos? They, a couple of years ago, there was this Chinese conversation, Chinese restaurant conversation at the CEO of Google. So, so that, that's, that's where a lot of the newer AI techniques are coming. So I'm hoping that uh, in the next five years, Verily, or somebody will come up with some kind of a broader intelligence product out there. Excellent. Yeah, cool. 
Well, you know, your your experience, I think, has been in healthcare, specifically around AI and healthcare. It's uh, do you, I, I guess, do you see you see yourself staying in healthcare? <laughs> I guess, do you see some other other interesting AI applications? I guess, I mean, gosh, it just spans so many different areas. Uh, healthcare. Oh yeah, 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 I don't think so. It has anything to do with healthcare. Uh, AI is a tech play. Whatever you do. You have a better customer engagement. This is where, like, I, I am sure you you were under this uh, uh, discussion like 20, 22 years ago when I was at uh, Deluxe Checks. There were quite a few people. We are a check printing company, isn't it? Right. And so, what, why do we need to sell all these things? Deluxe had like a lot of business farms and different things. Okay. So, a lot of people had skepticism on why do we need to do this over the internet? People will pick up the phone, they'll order, isn't it? That's what a financial institution 30 years ago was probably wondering. Like, oh, we, we all are making transactions through these banking systems, uh, and I'm going to call this broker to do these transactions. Yeah. That industry has changed, isn't it? So what I'm saying is in AI will impact every industry. You, you could be selling generators, but you have to have some kind of an AI in play Good, in good. The, yeah. the next five, five years. Yeah, otherwise you're just going to fall behind, right? You're, yes. you're going to be you're going to be printing checks when anybody else has moved online. Exactly. So, so Deluxe has, yeah, 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 they have reinvented themselves and they are uh, they're staying, isn't it? Um, I'm sure there are companies like Blockbuster. They were given a couple of opportunities. Huh? Um, even Netflix came to Blockbuster, but uh, they they never listened. And I'm sure there are companies like uh, Sears and J.C. Penney's, or Macy's. Um, or you could be like Target reinventing themselves every 15, 20 years and you can survive. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Target. I was checking out at Target the other day doing the self-checkout and they've got a camera there. They're just, they're, they're videoing me as I'm doing it, obviously for more security reasons. But, you know, I don't I, I don't know what Target's doing internally with that, but there, there's got to be something there, right? They're obviously capturing customer actions as they're checking out. Could they do something around sentiment analysis on people? How happy are the customers? I I am sure. Yeah, I am sure. There is go look look at Target. I'm 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 not related to Target. Uh, or I don't. I've never worked there. But uh, if you go look at their data science engineering team, uh, there is a lot of active work going on over there. Lando Lakes, there is a lot of work. I'm I'm seeing all these things in different conferences and kind of data that they come and present. So Lando Lakes is a milk and butter company. <laughs> okay, but but they have a lot of AI engineers. Um, I, I always go talk to my health partner, CIO. It's like, do you know how many people are there at uh, Cargill working on these kind of things? Oh, yeah. And Optum has a huge division of data science, hundreds of people working on this kind of stuff right now. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, you mentioned mobile first companies, and now people need to be AI first in a lot of ways. Yes. Feels like, yeah, we're in this next phase. Correct. For sure. Otherwise, you could, you'll be a blockbuster. Right. Yep, for sure. Well, great. This has been this has been a great conversation. I wasn't sure, you know, if there's anything else that I maybe I didn't I didn't touch on that that you would want to uh, share. Maybe do you have a you 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 mentioned presentations and stuff like that. Are you are you presenting anywhere coming up that you would want to talk about? Do you have a website or anything else that you would want to share? But I'll, I'll let you share anything here as we wrap up. Yeah, I'm not very active on any personal websites or just keep my LinkedIn profile out there. So your work has to speak. For, for yourself is what I believe in. So a lot of uh, things happen inside virtual, but uh, my long-term 
uh, idea is to go back to teaching, Justin. I don't know. I have a passion for coaching and teaching, so um, I want to go get back into some kind of adjunct faculty. Um, so I did my MBA from St. Thomas uh, 15 years ago. So I have both uh, engineering and also the business and finance uh, master's degree. So I can, it's, it's, it is time to give back. Uh, so I do go to a lot of conferences, yes, uh, locally, and also I go to the couple of AI conferences out, outside of Twin Cities, uh, one in the Bay Area and one in the East. Last year I was in Boston. Uh, sometimes I present, sometimes you go in there to learn and listen. It kind of refreshes you on what is going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. It's it's so hard to get, it's so easy, I guess I should say, to get stuck in your own lane and keep your head down, just be plugging away uh, and forget about just sometimes it makes sense to pop up. Right. I mean, it'll be interesting to see as conferences continue to become, at least in the short term, more and more virtual. Um, but getting that outside perspective can really, really help you um, across industries. Hey, I didn't know that these guys were doing this stuff over here. And how could I apply it back to what I'm doing? Yes. Right? Yes. There are a couple of uh, good good conferences locally here. The Internet of Things Conference, OS and the Open Source North. These are two tech conferences out here in town, which I attend every year. And then the big event in Best Buy, the mini bar. Yep. Yeah, mini bar is awesome. And they they just had a, a mini mini bar the other the other week. And I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the I mean if if you haven't been to a mini bar, I would definitely say like you should be there. If you're a tech person in Twin Cities, I missed the first couple of years. Ever since they moved to Best Buy. Yeah, it's a great event. It's a great yeah. event and it's and it's free, right? So a lot of these things are just they're just there. It's just it takes your time to 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 go. But if you're something you're passionate about, it's well worth it. Yeah. Well, great. I appreciate your time today, Sentil. Um, and I uh, look forward to continuing to follow you and everything that's going on at Virtual. Um, I'll be sure to put your LinkedIn, obviously, in the liner notes and stuff like that for this um, for this episode. And, and let's for sure keep in touch. Thank you for being a part of the community. Thank you, Justin. Thank you so much. Thanks. You've listened to another episode of the Conversations on Applied AI podcast. We hope you are eager to learn more about applying artificial intelligence and deep learning within your organization. You can visit us at appliedai.mn to keep up to date on our events and connect with our amazing community. Please don't hesitate to reach out to Justin at appliedai.mn if you are interested in participating in a future episode. Thank you for listening.